Tonight we'll cover the preliminary meditation instructions, mainly having to do with following our breathing, noticing that at this moment each one of us in this hall is breathing. Very simple observation. But I'd like to put that meditative exercise in context. And I'd like to start by reading something that was said approximately 2,500 years ago by the Buddha. It reads, whether going out or returning, the yogi, and that's each one of us, or you might say meditator, the yogi acts with full attention. Whether looking ahead or looking around, he or she acts with full attention. Whether bending an arm or straightening it, he or she acts with full attention. In taking one's overrobe, bowl, and spare underrobe, the yogi acts with full attention. Whether defecating or urinating, he or she acts with full attention. Whether walking, standing, or sitting, whether resting or awake, whether talking or silent, he or she acts with full attention. In other words, full attention all the time, wherever we are, with nothing being too trivial or insignificant, not worthy of care and sensitivity. Before getting into the breath meditation, I'd like to say a few words about this overall attention this way of re-educating ourselves so that we bring sensitivity into everything that we do. And we have an ideal opportunity to begin to do that for those of you who are new to this. It's very easy for meditation to come to be known or to symbolized or set up up as sitting. Whereas when you came here, those of you who are really new to meditation, perhaps in your mind, if there are any images at all, there of a solitary individual in a sitting posture. And whenever you go to a museum, that's what you see. So meditation comes to be symbolized by sitting, the body sitting. Whereas the essence of the practice is much more comprehensive and broad, as you just heard in that quote. It has to do with a way of living, with a way of bringing full attention, full energy, into everything that we do, without exception. Now, that's a tall order. It's difficult for all of us to do that. But that's what this practice is. That's what it's asking us to do. In a sense, to spiritualize our daily life by bringing such care and attention into areas which are perhaps thought of as being not so significant, not important. And here, the danger can become that we come to set the sitting meditation over and above everything else that goes on for us. The quote that always impressed me, I read it many years ago. I don't know if any of you have heard of the Flying Wallandas. They were a high wire act, world famous. And they would really walk the tightrope way up, very dangerous, all over the world. And the head of the act, Papa Wolanda, once made the statement that for him, real living was only on the wire, walking that high rope. All the rest was just waiting. When I first read that, I was very impressed by it because I felt the intensity and the depth and it's really a good way to live. Years later, I came to see it as a problem. And that fact, we all do that. We could kind of select out of life aspects which we think are important, perhaps which we're good at. And we invest it with tremendous energy and value and set it up over and above perhaps most of the rest of our life. Ironically, <laughs> Many years later, the same man who made this statement died in an unusual way, in a way of teaching for us. 
I happened to watch to to see it on TV. Uh, I was uh, in South America. It was a very very windy, almost gale weather, and he was advised not to do the high high rope walk. It was outdoors. And he went against this and walked and fell to his death. The wind literally blew him off the wire. A kind of a fixated view of life, isolating at one activity, gaining significance from that one activity, at the expense of the whole, not seeing that life is homogeneous, an undivided whole, that is whatever we encounter is our life from moment to moment. Wherever we are, defecating, urinating, bending over. And so I feel we need a practice, which we have. This practice is directed towards that. It's a way of living fully all the time. And now you see other expressions of this tendency to isolate oneself and bumper sticker, which read, I'd rather be golfing or I'd rather be fishing. And you see people walking around with earphones, tuning out everything else. And so we're going against that. And what we have an opportunity to do here for this weekend, because it's a protected environment set up for exactly this kind of learning, is to begin to develop this ability to bring care and attention to each and every activity that comprises our life and our day. And so the sitting is really very important. Learning how to sit quietly and listen to one's mind and body feelings. It's an extraordinary art to learn. It's very helpful. Yet, if we come to set that up, kind of dip it in bronze and mount it on the mantelpiece, mantel place, we create a problem. We create a fragmented life. And so, can we in this weekend, when the time comes to sit, give our very best effort to the sitting? And we'll go through three kind of graded sets of instructions. But when we get up off the cushion, we move into the dining room, or when we get up in the morning and get dressed, undressed, when we our hand makes contact with a doorknob and turns and the door is opened, can there still be that same interest? Now, I don't know most of you. Probably not. Really, we've come here to learn how to sit. Now, even sitting, the deeper meaning of sitting is not for the body to sit. That's a preliminary. If we can get the physical body to be still, then that brings with it the stilling of the mind, or it helps bring the stilling of the mind. That is, if the body can become stable and comfortable, it's a tremendous aid, a platform, foundation, from which the mind can enter into stillness. And then we move from there where stillness has to enter into stillness. And so, real sitting is the mind is sitting. And yet we start with the exterior and always have an exterior. And so uh, the attitude for the entire weekend is summed up in that quote by the Buddha and I've Xeroxed a copy for each one of you. I'd like to make a suggestion as to how to work with it. It's not going to occupy very much of your time here. I see that quote as sort of a, a miniature sacred text, kind of a Reader's Digest Book of the Month, Sacred Text. It's only a little paragraph. And one way in which the ancients worked with sacred text was step number one is the seeing of it. Just literally coming into contact with certain information, whether it's the Gita or the Bible or Quran, etc. Then step number two was the contemplation of that which you've come in contact with, with the literal, literal words, to kind of chew on it, digest it, assimilate it, meet it with your whole being, so that that which started out as just words is brought into being so that you're actually living it. 
it's a different way of working with thinking and with ideas than uh, perhaps what we're accustomed to, which is storing it up as information in our computer. So these words are meant to be lived and to inspire us when we need the inspiration. What I'd like to suggest in it is that you not read over the weekend at all. I know there's a, a library that you'll probably find yourself sitting in sometimes. Perhaps you've brought some books for security just in case things get dull around here. Which they will. No guaranteed. Or perhaps you're going to have a spiral notebook which you'll fill up with all your personal insights. What I'd like to suggest is it's only two days, two and a half days. Drop it. Don't bother with any of that. Don't read. If you can, don't make any phone calls. Don't write any letters. No postcards telling people that you're doing a retreat. And if out of desperation your mind has to nibble on something, then look at this paragraph, this statement by the Buddha on mindfulness in all postures, in all situations, at all times. And reflect on it. It's an experiment. I've never used it in teaching before. I hope that it's helpful. And even if you don't want to do that, it's okay. If you don't read it, don't worry, because I'll be reminding you about it over and over again. Okay, so meditation is a way of life, a way of living, a way of approaching whatever we come into contact with. It's not limited to a particular posture or place. Wherever there are sounds to be heard or smells, aromas, wherever there are sights to be seen and sensations, meditation goes on. It could be anywhere. It is possible to do it everywhere and anywhere. This particular kind of a situation that we're in now is an ingenious invention. It's kind of a theater, brilliant theater, meditation retreat, organized to protect us so that we can develop certain qualities which are very difficult to develop in most living situations. But it's not meant Certainly not for most of us who are going to be living our lives in the so-called daily world, which is the only world that, that exists, really. So that we're here and we can use the protection. Uh, for example, when you're dressing in the morning, you can slow it down just a little bit, not so much so that you're late for coming into the hall, but you can dress carefully wash carefully, all kinds of small things, handling silverware, eating, and we'll go into eating a little bit more in more detail tomorrow. So we have that opportunity to take advantage of that protection in absolutely everything that we do here. And you'll forget many, many times, perhaps thousands of times, and every time you forget, you just start all over again. It's like being thrown from a horse. You just get back on without making a big deal about the fact that you were inattentive or spaced out for 10 minutes or 10 hours, you just start again. And that's what the practice is for all of us. I'm doing the same thing. And I've been at it for a while. Forget, fine. As soon as you notice that, you start again. So you're endlessly beginning. Endlessly. Now, you can't do that if you're judging yourself a lot because you would just be exhausted. So it's a much lighter thing. A certain attitude will be very, very helpful as useful, certainly, as any of the techniques that you'll learn tonight and for the rest of the retreat. And that is to view whatever it is that happens to you from a perspective of learning. One way to look at what's happening here is that we're re-educating ourselves. The accent really is on the learning, not so much on the teaching. In the way, my job is to encourage you to learn, to encourage you to take responsibility for your own life, to develop the confidence that you can re-educate yourself, that you can see where you're blocked and limited and work with that. If you have this frame of reference of learning, then no matter what comes up is not really a problem. If you don't, it's an obstacle and you'll get caught in things that you like and things that you don't like 
And when you're bored, you think you're wasting your time here. But boredom can be as valuable as any other state because that's what's happening in that moment. So if we could add that into the quote of the Buddha, he might say, when you're bored, know that you're bored. Okay, so with an attitude of learning, it's very different. Then everything becomes a challenge rather than an obstacle. It's a totally different way of looking at life. A challenge is something very positive. In fact, the deeper the challenge, the deeper it can take you into yourself. It can release all kinds of captive energies, all kinds of creativity and release blocks so that they're to be welcomed, even though they may be uncomfortable. A lot of what we're doing is learning how to live with all kinds of discomfort that may come up over the weekend. Many of you are really beginning, having glanced through the the, um, registration sheets. That means that everything is our teacher, which maybe you've heard, and perhaps it's the biggest cliche in spiritual circles. Everything is my teacher. But it's really true. Even a teacher can be a teacher. I mean, everything can teach you. But the question is, are there any students? So it means we have to really be alert. Because really what's happening is life is teaching. The universe is teaching at all times. And we'll get a real good sense of that, I hope, this weekend. It could be the smallest thing. Like you get your tea... And it's much too hot, you sip it, and the tongue tells you, too hot. Okay, that may seem trivial, but that's where it's at. That's what we're learning. We're learning this direct contact with reality, direct experience. And the tongue just told you, too hot. Now, if you're paying attention, then you've learned that, which is only valuable in that moment. You don't write it down in a, in a, a loose-leaf notebook, because it would be useless for the next moment. So that taste, the temperature, has taught you. Wait a few moments. Now these little kinds of things add up and they constitute our life. Our life is made up of ordinary details. Getting dressed for the two millionth time. Getting undressed for the two millionth and first time. You know, brushing our teeth. And then there are other teachings, one which I hope we have time to at least Hint that the universe is constantly teaching. It's so it's tireless. It never takes a vacation. Endlessly teaching us that everything is impermanent, constantly changing. There's there's no way to not miss it. It's just all over the place, and that's perhaps more profound, with deeper implications than sipping tea and finding it's too hot and so correcting. But it's the same principle. We're being asked to pay attention, really be simple, like children. Certainly we can do that this weekend. There's very little for you to do but to learn about yourself. The work requirement is minimal. Most things are done for you. Okay, we'll certainly go into that in greater detail as the weekend unfolds. To come to the body for a moment. We're starting out now, if you are starting out. We're learning what the ancients called acquiring a seat. In other words, sitting does begin by just plumping or plopping your body down on the cushion in some haphazard way. It can. And people can go years sitting incorrectly. But what if we could see that an important part of what we're learning, it's not the end of the learning, but it has its place, is to acquire a stable and comfortable seat with our body. It's a tremendous asset. If the body can become like a tree, just very firmly planted, graceful, strong, Comfortable. Bends a little if the wind comes. Bends enough. 
Now, some of that will come about just by sitting. You just do it, and you do it, and you do it, and you do it, and it starts to become easier. But we can help it along a little. Tomorrow, in the discussion groups, in each group, I'll show you a few very simple four or five physical exercises that take very little time and that are designed to help you sit. Other things that can help are your diet. There's no question that Certain kinds of foods contribute to making the body stiff. Foods, perhaps like salt, too much seasoning. Foods that have too much uric acid, let's say lots of meat. Or you can find out for yourself. The amount to eat, the quality of what you eat, contributes to the pliability of the body, to the strength of the body. And that's one factor in enabling us to sit still so that we can listen. Coming to the listening, it occurs to me that I've neglected something that's right here. That is, if meditation is our life, there's the listening process going on right now. Right now you're listening to me and during the weekend sometimes We'll have opportunities to reverse it where I'll be listening to you, etc. Are we making full use of the listening process? We've been listening for a long time, all of us. What have we been doing? Now, to make full use of the listening process simply means bringing that care and sensitivity into this particular activity, just because that's what we're doing now. Someone's talking. And for it to become meditative means for you to listen to the listening in a way. So you're noticing perhaps your mind wandering off when certain things are said or getting enthusiastic about other things. In order to hear me, really, you have to hear you. Because if you're not aware of perhaps tensions in the body, which are taking energy away from listening, if you're not aware of reactions that you're having, agreements and disagreements, then what you're hearing is somewhat distorted. So I'd like to suggest that be another area where we all bring sensitivity. An area where we bring sensitivity to. Again, it's no different than general instructions. It's just that we're doing listening, so let's do it. So we have this body and if you can find ways to sit, there are many cross-legged ways with the right foot in front of the left or the left in front of the right or one or another foot on the thigh, so-called half lotus or full lotus, cross-legged. Some of you may want to crouch, you've seen that on your knees sort of. You're welcome to sit in a chair. At times you may want to stand. The crucial thing is how we keep our mind in all these postures. Okay, so find what for you is a comfortable posture. If you're really new to this, you'll be experimenting and changing until you find what's best for you. And bring the body to an upright position so that the head, neck, and back are in a straight line to the best of your ability. And I'll be coming around from time to time during the retreat, giving you a feeling for what an erect posture feels like. And even if you can't hold it, don't worry about that. If you can come to feel it, little by little you'll grow into it. So the body is erect, the chin turned down just slightly, that facilitates breathing. Not too much to the left, not too much to the right, not tilted forward or backwards too much. Balanced and upright. And take a few deep breaths, just whatever that means to you, not forced. Just in through the nose and out through the nose two or three times.
And for a few moments, simply notice that you're breathing, which is another way of saying that each one of us is alive. We're sitting here, quietly breathing. Not controlling the breath at all now. And begin to notice what it feels like to breathe. The actual sensations that are produced as air fills up the lungs and then as the lungs empty themselves. Just wherever you're experiencing it. Letting the breath do the work. Letting the breath follow its own nature. We're not controlling anything now. And this ability to not control is an important quality that we're developing. You'll see that later on. Just letting the breath go its own way. And begin to notice where the breath is most vivid for you. Where you seem to naturally pick it up. I would suggest you For most of us, that would be either the nose or the abdomen. And when you feel confident that you have a sense of where the most vivid locus of the breathing is, in my own case, it's the abdomen. And so I'm narrowing the field of attention down now somewhat. And I'm experiencing the sensations which are produced by the movement of the abdominal wall. For me, it's the abdomen. For you, it may be the air making contact with your nostrils as it comes in and out. And I'd like to suggest that you locate, say, either the nose or the abdomen. Find what you think is most appropriate as an object of attention for you, and then stay with it. Stay with it for the weekend, through thick and thin. It's only two days. Because it's picking that one object which will help develop this unwavering quality of mind. There are always going to be reasons to shift and to change and to move. So we're attending to the breath now. Just feeling the sensations. It's not an image. No knowledge of anatomy or physiology is required. Just feeling it. I can feel the abdominal wall. If I had to use words, I would say it seems like it's expanding and contracting. Perhaps at the nostrils, if you had to use words, would feel like the air is coming in and out. And while this is happening, everything else is happening. The universe is not going to stop for us. And so thoughts are coming through the mind, sounds in the hall. Allow them to come and go. They're not good or bad, just in a sense, background. And the breath is featured. Consciously experiencing each breath exactly as it happens, when it happens. No matter how the breath unfolds, is fine. We're not trying to shape it or control it. 
even it out, lengthen it, shorten it. However it goes is good. From time to time you'll notice, if you haven't already, that although the breath keeps happening in the only time and place it can happen, here and now, our attention moves away and goes somewhere else. And it can go anywhere. Our mind seems to have a mind of its own. When your attention moves from the breath and gets caught up in whatever, plans for tomorrow or memories, it could be anything, if you can, begin to see this as part of your re-education, as we're learning about the ways of the breath, the ways of the mind. So there's no need to punish yourself making up concepts like, I have weak attention, my concentration is weak. We're simply becoming more familiar with the fact that we're breathing, making direct contact with that very basic process. And whenever the mind shows its preference for being elsewhere, we notice that whenever we do, that it's off somewhere, and very gently, and in a way that's not punitive, it's not correcting a mistake or some weakness on our part, it's simply the fact that the mind has moved somewhere else, attention has gone elsewhere. We very softly, smoothly escort attention back to the breathing, without it being in a hurry, We just join with the breath once again. And let's carry this out for the next few minutes, please. So far, the meditation instructions have been pretty straightforward. Singling out the flow of breathing, either at the nose or at the abdomen. Noticing if our attention has been pulled elsewhere. And if so, coming back, very gently easing back. Coming back is the training. The mind leaves, we escort it back time and time again. Gradually, especially if done without force, the mind gracefully learns to settle down, to collect itself, become unwavering, and enjoys this unwavering quality because with concentration comes a certain joy and peace. So at first we're perhaps preoccupied with simply locating where the breath is. I know that in some sittings it's so bad we're not even sure if we're, we're breathing. We can't even find where the nostrils are, let alone the breath. But we find it. And then the next aspect of being with the breath is more subtle distinctions, the qualities of the breath start to emerge. And it comes out of this association. The more time we spend with this breathing, the more we come to see all the subtlety of it. And over a period of time, the mind leaves the breath less and less because we're practicing that. Over a period of time, When the mind does move from the breath, we notice it more quickly. We're not as apt to linger. We know that we're not with the breath and we come back. And so we've been developing concentration. Now in this phase of the instructions, we'll still be doing that, but 
also bringing in the genuinely insight aspects of this practice. As you know, it's called insight meditation. Seeing into. Penetrating the nature of name and form of the mind and body. Now the breath will still remain the primary object. We start off by being with the in-breath and the out-breath, by being with the rising and the falling. But now, if anything else becomes prominent, distinct, vivid, predominant, or as it commands your attention, breaks in on your attention, we no longer see that, in a sense, as an intrusion or a distraction from the breath, but actually that's the next meditation object. So the breath is our anchoring point. We start there and we keep coming back. But for example, if we're following the breath, you experience pain in your ankle. With the instructions as we're now following them, It's already gotten your attention. That's a fact. And so we allow the awareness to be with that ankle, with what we call an ankle, those sensations in that region of the body. We're not worried about the breath. We're with those sensations and we see them come and go. At least they change their shape, their form, their intensity. And when they leave or when something else naturally breaks in, because you may, you may be following sensations in the ankle now because that's what's prominent and suddenly a loud airplane flies overhead as if it's flying in your head. Well, that's obviously the next object because it's a fact. It's already accomplished. And so you're with the sound, the coming and going of the sound. And then that's gone and we come back to the breath. And then perhaps some worry comes up, something that you left undone, some unfinished business. And it breaks in on attention. So now it's not a distraction, it is the meditation. We listen to the worry, just as we've been listening to the breath and we've been feeling the sensations in our feet as we walk and tasting food as we eat. And so any aspect of mind or body or expressions from the outside world, sort of smells or sounds, anything that naturally makes its presence known, that intrudes, that takes over, we're with it. And when it subsides, we come back to the breath. So there's really nothing that can disturb your meditation now. People walking in late or ruffling their clothing. Because that becomes the meditation. If you find yourself irritated, then that's what's there in that moment. The composition of that moment is irritation. And so we settle into that. We experience what irritability is. We see it arise and we see it go. And then as it dissipates itself, thins out, it's gone, we come back to the breath, breathing in, breathing out, or rising and falling. Establishing a smooth rhythmical movement between the breath and whatever else. It's not a hunt for what to pay attention to because life itself will tell us. One last suggestion. I know that many of you 
are experiencing some pain or discomfort, certainly in the body. This lends itself to directly working with that discomfort, which is extremely valuable, learning how to not always have to run away from discomfort or pain, how to not feel desperate. And so if some physical problem, some discomfort is prominent, that is the meditation. We're aware of it. We can learn to tell the difference between the physical sensations and what the mind makes of those sensations. They're very different. Makes up a story about it, a conclusion. See if that doesn't make a difference. If you can tell the difference between physical sensations and the mind's story about these physical sensations. Self-pity or annoyance or impatience. And then the just pure physicality. If you want to change your posture, say some physical discomfort has become just a bit too much and you've watched it as, as is being suggested here and it helps a bit, but finally you feel you just must shift your posture, then that's good. Do it, but do it knowingly. That is, you rearrange your body in a more comfortable way but the process of doing the rearranging is done consciously. In that way, there's no break in the flow of meditation. So let's start with our breathing. And then let life take over and point to where we're supposed to be next. of the meditation instructions. We started out with one object of attention, breathing. Expanded to include whatever else should turn up. But breathing was the primary object kind of anchor point. So we start with breathing and continuously come back. So we know there's some place to come back to. In each stage of the meditation instructions, we're not only broadening the scope, of what is admitted and treated as a meditation object. There's also an increase in allowing, learning how to permit things to be what they are, beginning to learn to let go of the incessant need to calculate and scheme, plan, project, cover ourselves, shape things, engineer things, do this to get that. It's quite tiring. And who's doing all of that? And so now the progression continues. And in this sitting, I'd like for us all to at least sample what it's like to let go of the breath, to have no particular object to hold on to. Begin to learn what it's like to have a homeless home, meaning you're at home wherever you are in this case, meaning the mind and body. And so the instructions now are simply to sit. 
we began to learn how to not control the breath, to just let the breath follow its own nature. And now we're expanding that training to include the entire mind and body. Just allow allow that entire process to unfold in its own way. So at this point, the less we do, the better. The less we do, the more we see. And if we start doing, we see that. And so the meditation now becomes what is sometimes called choiceless awareness or all-inclusive attention, comprehensive attention. It's a more panoramic, open sense of things. The choiceless awareness is choiceless in two senses. One, that we're not judging. It's a non-reactive awareness. Whatever comes up, we're simply aware of it. And it's choiceless in that there's no agenda. We just cross our legs or however we we are sitting and bring attention to the fact that at this moment, each one of us exists. It's a fundamental fact. Each one of us here exists. And we just bring care and sensitivity to that existence and allow it to manifest from moment to moment. bringing attention, as we've been doing, to whatever is predominant, whatever commands attention, the field will tell you. The body may reach out, so it's only natural, that's where you'll be, or particular mood that you're in. Sometimes the breath just quite naturally becomes the object of attention, so we're not trying to get away from the breath. But we're not setting the breath up over and above anything else now. It's just another aspect of of our being. And so the attitude now is very much no agenda, not trying to get anywhere in particular, not trying to become anyone special, just sitting quietly and doing nothing. This doing nothing is a very high art. That's what we're learning. To do it means we have to learn a real openness and a kind of surrender. Because all kinds of things are going to start to turn up now. That is to relinquish control in this way to have no agenda, is an invitation to the mind and body to start to reveal itself. It will start to tell its story in its own way. The attention is very gentle and loving, but decisive. We're right there with what happens. An image that might help is one that comes from Chinese Zen, where it said, always stay in the position of the host. Meaning that we're the host, awareness is the host, which is visited by all these guests of different shapes and sizes. Some are rude, some are very gentle. We like some of the guests, some are uninvited. And yet, as a good host, we embrace everyone who's there. And it's that kind of openness, no matter what turns up in the mind or the body, we're there for it. It's surrender in that we're surrendering our need to 
make things be the way we want them to be. It can be quite a relief to put down all the, the plans and the blueprints and schemes and calculations and just sit peacefully and quietly noticing what's most vivid for you in each moment and seeing it change. Seeing that coming and going of everything which is an essential aspect of insight meditation. If you find resistance to what's being said or fear of letting go of the breath, look at the resistance, look at the fear, because that's what's predominant at this moment. Strictly speaking, this kind of choiceless awareness that we're doing is not really choiceless awareness because we're cultivating it right now. We're approximating genuine choiceless awareness because it's something that's being taught to you. It's a bit self-conscious. And so it amounts to someone telling you to try to not try. There's probably no way around that. But it's the beginnings of learning how to truly let everything happen and to be totally there with it as it does. This is something that ripens for us through the practice. It can't be rushed. You grow into it as you come to trust your ability to, to be able to be with whatever comes up, that you can handle it, no matter what. That's a great feeling. It's not that we approve of whatever shows up, but we have faith in our own mind, in our own ability to be resourceful, to move with it, to learn from it. If we're thrown and get all caught up, fine, we see that and we start all over. No fuss. And finally, in developing this ability to welcome every aspect of the mind and body, not knowing what will turn up and yet being receptive, we develop acceptance for ourselves at a very deep level, which of course enables us to do the same with others more easily. There's a Zen poem that sums it all up in a very brief way. Sitting quietly, doing nothing, 
Spring comes and the grass grows by itself. Walking meditation. In between periods of sitting, it's very helpful to do a contemplative walking where we set aside an area to move in. Roughly about 20 paces can be very helpful, 30 paces. But if you have less space, then of course you use it. In the walking meditation, we're walking much more slowly than usual, bringing attention to the sensations in the feet and really experiencing them while walking We're not looking at our feet. The eye gaze is slightly ahead of the feet and the attention is just on the sensations. While doing the walking, you might want to begin at a speed that's normal or even rapid if you have the space and then gradually slow it down until you finish the walking meditation period, however much time you set aside for yourself in a really slow, mindful, attentive way. So what we're doing is we're raising the foot up, moving it through the air, placing it in contact with the surface that we're walking on, and we're experiencing the sensations in the foot as we do that. If while doing the walking meditation you run into obstacles like being bored with it or finding it awkward or being preoccupied with some worry or plan, And if this is becoming a problem, come to a halt and simply bring attention to the obstruction itself. Listen to the worry, listen to the the plan, or if you're not uh, interested in the walking meditation, and at the beginning some people aren't, then really don't try to stamp that out, don't try to overwhelm it, but simply listen to it, and then it will thin out or fall away, and then resume the walking. When you get to the end of the track that you've set up for yourself to walk, come to a halt and it's very helpful to then pause and get a sense of yourself standing and then begin to make a turn knowing that you're turning. Now you're facing in the opposite direction and bring awareness to yourself again, standing, pause and then begin to move once again. This form of walking meditation is an invaluable adjunct to the sitting and very, very helpful. When beginning this walking meditation, sometimes you may feel awkward about it, since in a way it has no, doesn't have much purpose It's not much of an accomplishment, let's say, in terms of transportation. You're just slowly moving back and forth or moving from one point to another. Keep at it because what you'll find is eventually it becomes very graceful and the possibilities of really going deep are there in the walking. It's not really inferior to sitting. It's a very beautiful form that can be used. And with time, it becomes almost like a form of dance. Very helpful. For those of you who are leading very speedy lives, running around a lot, you might find this somewhat of a shock. But bear with it. If you experience resistance, come to a halt. Become aware of the resistance. And when you release yourself from it, then resume the walking. Sometimes some rather interesting investigation can come out of the obstacles to walking when the mind is uh, distracted repeatedly and you come to a halt. Sometimes you can learn rather interesting things about yourself in the walking meditation. Eventually, you can transfer as your attention develops uh, the awareness from the feet to the whole legs, to both legs, and then finally to the whole body. And when that starts to happen, it can be more easily transfer it to daily life, walking at a normal pace with awareness in the whole body as it moves through time and space. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.